Welcome to Generation Ag, a podcast for the future of agriculture. I'm Kayla. And I'm Lavinia. And we're a couple of young Aggies passionate about celebrating our industry and sharing the stories of people who work in it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Generation Ag. Uh, you've got Kayla introing you today, but you're lucky to have Vin and I both on the mics for this interview. But you also have a super, super special guest as well. But before we get into that, I want to do a quick bit of housekeeping. And that is to remind you, if you're not already, head on over to our Facebook group and join. That's the Generation Ag community on Facebook. You can search for it in your search bar and you'll find us all hanging out there. We are super excited to bring you this interview today. Lavinia and I had the best time on the mics talking to the host of Humans of Agriculture and the man behind the movement, Oli Lalive. Humans of Agriculture um, is another ag podcast, and I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. And if you're not, head on over there right now before you start this episode and give him a follow on whatever platform you're using, because we love his content and we know you will as well. Ollie has had a super diverse career so far, and it has seen him be responsible for business development at Ag Live, a tech startup providing solutions for farmers and supply chain participants to tackle major issues such as trust in our supply chain and food provenance. Most recently, leading innovation, food and agribusiness with Global Table Australia, an organisation listed by Food Tank as one of the 120 international organisations creating a new decade of food. He also sits on the board of directors for the Future Farmers Network and Rocket Cedar and is passionate about the future for rural and regional Australia. Ollie's own journey to find out more about the future of food and fibre through growing engagement and connections to agriculture through his own platform, which we just adore, Humans of Agriculture. We've been chatting to Ollie for a while behind the scenes because we really, really wanted to work with him and the Humans of Agriculture platform because... Uh, as podcasters, we think it's really important to link arms and just move forward together and lift everybody up. Uh, so on that note, we're super excited to let you know that this is just the first uh, episode in what we're hoping will be a, a really long relationship that we'll have with humans of agriculture. And what this means is that if you love this episode on Wednesday, you need to head on over to humans of agriculture because we do the reverse. So um, Lavinia and I both jump on Ollie's podcast, humans of agriculture and tell you what as podcasters we're very used to interviewing other people but being put on the spot ourselves is super super nerve-wracking um so definitely go and check that one out and then you might hear us make mention in uh both of these episodes (laughs) to conversations we were going to have later and we got so busy in our interviews we actually ran out of time to record those discussions hence we've decided to turn this into a bit of a series so look forward to us catching up with ollie on the humans of agriculture and generation ag platforms in the future we've got lots more content coming your way so on that note i won't hold up this interview any longer because i'm sure you're excited to meet ollie if you haven't already here he is are you ready ollie oh as ready as i'll ever be guys (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit weird to be on this side actually i'm just i know it's so daunting i'm i'm thinking about us having to get record uh, interviewed in a minute i'm like sweating it's like oh i'm excited i'm genuinely excited okay you haven't heard the question 
Are you ready? Yeah. We yeah. start every interview the same way. We start with who you are and what's your connection to agriculture. So can you please tell us? Yeah, well, thanks for having me here. My name's Ollie Lalive. I'm coming to you from Sydney today. Um, so I managed to escape Melbourne. But my connection to agriculture, I suppose it's a I'll try not to draw it out too much for you guys, but I actually grew no, up in Sydney. No, we love that. Oh, do you? Okay. So I actually yeah, grew up in love Sydney. love a long so story. I... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, get ready. I hope you guys have got a comfy set. Um, I grew up in Sydney and spent like, all my schooling up here. So I am a city kid, but um, I did move into ag uh, kind of straight after school. Um, Mum's family have farmed down in Western Victoria, a little area called Winchelsea, which is about... Oh, it's an hour and a half from Melbourne West. And um, I suppose my connection to Aga has always been through her family and my uncle's property. Um, I suppose, yeah, I was pretty lucky at school that we had Ag as a subject and I spent most of my holidays as a kid at my uncle's property um, down there. So quite funny. I used to leave Sydney so excited and just dash off. But then when it came to getting escorted back by the flight attendants, I used to cry. Uh, when I was leaving Victoria and coming back, which probably isn't something I don't think people would be doing today in the world we live in. But um, yeah, I suppose my journey into ag, it's been very sporadic. I've, I've tried a lot of things, um, been to a whole bunch of places and yeah, seeing where it goes, not really locked into one place or, or staying in one job for my whole career. So you had a pretty metropolitan childhood then, aside from the visits to the farm? Yeah, for sure. So um, we grew up, yeah, about 30 k's north of Sydney in an area called Warunga. Um, I suppose we were lucky that we backed onto Kringai Chase National Park there, which kind of goes the whole way up the coastline. Um, we spent a lot of time like in the bush as a kid, loved mountain biking, loved sport. And then, yeah, holidays, we my brother and sister were right into horse riding. So we'd often kind of disappear all across New South Wales, sometimes into Victoria with various horse events. Um, but yeah, probably a lot of those holidays growing up were, were spent at my uncle's property down in, in Victoria. And um, as it kind of progressed from there, I started being able to work for different um, farmers in that area. And I suppose to me, that's really an area now that I call home and, and hold pretty closely. So you, you talked obviously a lot about um, growing up Metro, but I guess you were kind of in the bush a bit. So I guess that gives you a little bit of a contrast rather than you weren't in a city suburb living, which is a completely different sort of childhood. So from there, obviously you did agriculture at high school. Can you tell us about after high school, where you went to, what sort of jobs you've had since you've left school, that sort of thing? Yeah, for sure. And I suppose just going back to school, the one thing I probably should include so I at, um, at school, I started looking at Marcus Oldham probably in year 10 or 11 as an opportunity for somewhere I wanted to go and study post-school. Um, I knew you had to go and do a year out and I don't think it was ever kind of on the cards that I was just going to race into going to university. Um, so one of my really good mates growing up, Lockie Ellicott, he was another city kid born and bred and we used to get called traumas at in ag at school, which stood for try-hard farmers. I don't know if it's still a thing or it might ah. take off again. <laughs> um, I reckon we'll bring that back in yeah. episode. <laughs> and so Locke and I, yeah, we kind of grew up a stone throw from school, um, kind of both 
very much metropolitan backgrounds and we came across a jackaroo position at Futter Park, which is a property owned by the King School in Sydney. It's 12,500 acres. Um, they've got breed their own uh, cattle, breed their own sheep, and so commercial. So they've got a stud, stud cows, shorthorns, stud sheep, which they use for their own genetics. And then they've got the commercial herds uh, and flock as well, and then cropping. And so we took off there kind of high and dry both in our youth straight out of Warunga and um, spent 12 months running around down there, which was really cool. And I think probably one of the things that I don't know if it's maybe I force people away, but um, one of the awesome things about that job was that we both went there and I think it was recognized straight away by the guys there that we just had this willingness and enthusiasm to work and learn. And we were just willing to give anything a go. Um, it came in about April, which was our busiest month, we just started sowing and shearing was happening too at the same time. And we lost one worker who'd been at that farm for 10 years and another guy left after probably three or four years. Um, I was supposed to give a bit of context. There's normally about six people running around there. So all of a sudden it was the busiest time of year and there was four, four of us there and two of them being young 18 year olds from Sydney who I think we'd spent a bit of time around farms, but we, we certainly had a work ethic and knew enough to do, but it was definitely a baptism by fire. And so that was long nights um, running around trying to get sheep into the shearing sheds. It kind of just gave us a real appreciation. And I suppose one thing that's I've been lucky to follow me through the various jobs I've had is I've really kind of been able to move into jobs where people are willing to give you ownership of it. And so you start to feel a real sense of responsibility and, I suppose subsequently to that, you start to get um, a whole bunch of appreciation, appreciation and satisfaction out of the jobs you do. Um, it's a long way of saying that I finished school and went jackarooing. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I then was enrolled to go to Sydney Uni and so I picked up doing ag economics there and I lasted 18 months. If it wasn't that I had to pass statistics, I probably would have stayed 12. Uh, but I, just that regular kind of the type of learning that we were doing at Sydney Uni at the time really wasn't suited to me. I spent more time off working for a mate with a landscaping business and started up my own lawn mowing business as well. And so that kind of preoccupied a lot of my time and I got into Marcus Oldham. So I knew at the beginning of 2014, I'd be heading down to Marcus. So 2013 rolled around, I ticked off the statistics and I yeah, went back down to Western Victoria based myself at my uncle's property there at Winchelsea and started working for a guy called Dave Kninmonth who really kind of gave me my first paid job in ag at 12 years old. He gave me 50 bucks for a day's work to help him uh, drench some sheep. And so I suppose like, yeah, I went back down and worked alongside Dave and he's one person who has really given me a lot of opportunities and been a really good sounding board kind of the whole way through. And so I suppose to that point, um, what was really awesome coming from that city background is one thing that stuck stuck true is that people are absolutely willing to give you, you a, a go if you're willing to put your hand up and, and have a crack. And so I'm thankful for what Dave's done and all the different people that I've met kind of throughout my time in industry. And I think there's going to be a whole lot more that I'll come across in my journey. Mm. It sounds like a really interesting and it sounds like you've got some really great memories of your journey. And that's so... 
um, it's really nice to hear someone coming from, yeah, I guess, out of the industry and having a, just a really incredible, valuable, rich experience. Do you want to tell everyone about your day job now, where you've ended up? Yeah, so... Um, I didn't really touch on my what I've done job-wise. Uh, so, yeah, and I also, I want to ask him about Marcus because I don't think we've had any guests on from Marcus yet. I mean, not too elaborately, but I think it's a really interesting experience. So I'd love for you to chat a little bit about that. So I suppose funnily enough at Marcus, I got put into their Agri 2 class. So I was going to study agribusiness. Um, I had enough credits from Sydney Uni that I could move straight through. And within about three days in the Ag2 class, I was like, nah, this place is way too much fun. So I went and saw the head of agribusiness, Andrew Baker. And I just said to him, oh, I think it's going to be more valuable for me if I roll back into Ag1 and I do the full program. And so, yeah, I um, added to my hex debt pretty quickly, but <laughs> it allowed me to yeah, meet a whole bunch of mates. Um, we went to China in that first year. And then what I did... I always wanted to work overseas and so I got the, I think it's diploma in first year, got the diploma and then I went and worked with um, four mates over in Canada for, and we did a cropping season over there. And funnily enough, one of the blokes who's now one of my best mates, um, he was someone I met at Sydney Uni. So it's an incredibly small world kind of as you mm. work around. Um, and, and then I went back to Marcus, finished the degree and that led me into my first kind of, graduate job which at Marcus part of the program which is really awesome is you have to build work you have to do work experience in order to gain your degree so in first year you have to do a month full-time in an agribusiness or, or a farm business and so it's you really pushed I suppose out of your comfort zone to one approach businesses and go and lock yourself in but two it was really interesting so I did I worked for Warakiri cropping for a few weeks in that first year uh, under a guy called James Knight and I walked in being like, okay, what the heck am I going to do aside from just get coffees for these guys? <laughs> and like the learning that we learned at Marcus and the skills that we'd learned through Excel and kind of how to write documents and stuff. The learning that I took out of Marcus was that you walk out of there and you can actually be useful to a business straight away. Mm. And I suppose it came a bit with maturity as well. But one thing I didn't pick up at Sydney Uni, I was going through the motions just to tick off and get the degree. Whereas at Marcus, you're picking up kind of the fundamental skills of what it takes to be involved in ag business. And so for me, that suited my learning style. It suited how I could be useful, I suppose, to other people in industry. And eventually, I suppose, made me more employable than what I may have been if I'd stayed at somewhere like um, and at Sydney Uni. And I think probably on that, it's one of the big things is you just got to find what works for you. And so for me, in my style, Sydney Uni didn't work and Marcus did, but for someone else... Marcus may not work in Sydney Uni or, or that kind of type of tertiary education. I don't know. I think you guys have a fair bit of fun at Marcus, so I hear. So <laughs> I don't know if there's um, any young farmer or Aggie that wouldn't say no to <laughs> having the weekends that you guys seem to get up to. But Yeah, oh, it's a long time ago. My memory fades. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Selective no, memory loss. It's I a very think, good yeah. place. I've actually got a mate's bucks party from Marcus next weekend. So. Oh. <laughs> And then what about your career after that? How did, how did you skyrocket to where you are now? Oh, definitely didn't skyrocket. I meandered. So um, <laughs> my Ag2 placement, we had to do three months, but I actually signed up for six and I went and worked for a group called TNG Vazari exporting asparagus um, on the eastern side of Melbourne out of a little area called Kui Rup, 
and it's basically these rich black soils and the asparagus just spring out of the ground. Um, it's one of the most interesting crops I've ever seen because it's incredibly volatile in terms of what the weather's doing and kind of it grows in the springtime as soon as the weather gets, uh, or as soon as the weather um, comes out and you get a bit of sunshine, like the asparagus can grow two centimetres an hour. And so you have people wow. cutting every 24 hours. Uh, you're going in, into both the domestic market and, and exporting. And that was incredibly interesting. Um, and then I actually, yeah, finished up on that, went back on farm for a bit. And from there, I was back working at uh, Mount Hess for a period of time and met the founders of a company called AgLive, which was a relatively new livestock management, um, digital compliance business. And so I ended up joining them as a Vic sales manager and then kind of progressed as the business changes, changed as it did into being a business development manager, um, which gave me the opportunity to check out a whole bunch of farms and operations in Australia and also go and check out the US market as well, which was really cool. Uh, and so that opened my eyes to, to that. And so I suppose, yeah, fast forwarding to where I'm now, which is kind of a culmination, I think, of experiences, but I'm now working in um, enterprise advisory, which is basically mid-market private business at KPMG. Uh, and that ties in fairly nicely with the food and agribusiness team as well. So yeah, working with industry bodies through to kind of large private businesses or, or multinationals as well, who could be looking at export strategies or they could be looking at how they can bring technology in uh, to improve quality in the supply chain, kind of any range of things um, we, we can cover. So yeah, it's, that's been um, a really interesting learning curve. Sounds so fascinating. I think that's such an interesting space, particularly because it's obviously a lot of work and there's a lot of behind the scenes, but it's often a job that unless someone like yourself is talking about it, that people wouldn't even ignore that it exists in the agricultural industry. Yeah, with, with KPMG, I think, it's interesting when you're talking to kind of farmers and a lot of kind of a lot of my mates wouldn't even understand what KPMG is, but we're <laughs> seeing we, we've got, I think offices in something like 160 countries mm. and particularly now as we see kind of the operating environment of the world with um, beyond, I suppose what we're seeing with coronavirus, but you look at kind of the geopolitical tensions and trade wars that are happening and, Australian, we're so reliant on ag exports that we really need to have an innate understanding of what's happening in those markets. Mm. And so that's where these big businesses kind of come into their own. And we've got people who, Lucy, um, who I work with as well in, in the ag team, she spent a year up north last year, Jack Rowing as a career break. Like it's, they're very supportive of people actually getting back into industry, rolling the sleeves up and getting some on the ground experience or building their on the ground experience in different areas and then coming back into the business. So yeah, it's, it's really exciting with, with what the team's building there. And with that, I guess we could perfectly roll into your little side hustle, which is growing quite rapidly. Can you talk to us about humans of agriculture and how it all started and I guess progressing to a podcast now? Yeah. So humans of agriculture started really just as an idea. I, I think growing up in Sydney, one of the things that I faced when I was leaving school was that whether it was careers advisors or mates, they didn't understand, I suppose, the basics of agriculture. Mm -hmm. And so the careers advisor was saying, oh, just go and look at doing a general business degree, which is fine. But what I found is that kind of the whole way through, the thing that followed me was that there's this, a lack of understanding 
of what agriculture truly is. And yeah. I suppose it's been pigeonholed into this view where it is primary production. Mm. I think the jobs I've had since um, the, the people I've met, whether it's software developers, it's people in marketing, it's accountants, it's, you can basically look at any suite of jobs and then somehow look at if it can't directly apply into agriculture, it can apply into rural communities. And so for mm-hmm. me, I think that's where I feel incredibly passionate about rural Australia and the opportunities that are there and trying to connect agriculture in a way that's relatable to people. And so I think, yeah, what I'm really trying to do with humans of agriculture is target people who are willing to better themselves or the world around them through agriculture. And whether that be someone who's a producer or someone moving the goods or or a consumer as well, who's really conscious about their purchasing decisions and, and the impact that that kind of subsequently has either beyond the product that they consume, whether that be plastics or back through the supply chain, back to the farmer. They're the types of people who I'm seeing really are like the humans of agriculture. And so we're living in an, an area of opportunity or a time where we've got so much opportunity through agriculture. How can we make it that every decision we make somehow actually flows back and, and can be intertwined in agriculture? So that's kind of what I'm playing at there. It's certainly building out. Um, and yeah, it's by no means at any level where you guys are, but it is a lot of fun talking to a lot of people. And I suppose, yeah, aside from the podcast, what I'm really trying to build is a central platform that people can come to, whether they're in industry or just a consumer and they can find authentic, trustworthy information that is inquisitive about how we can make kind of a better environment, a better world for agriculture. Mm. And Ellie, you've got a really ambitious goal. Do you want to tell everyone about that? <laughs> yeah. So, well, in all honesty, it's um, how this all came about. It was playing off uh, Humans of New York, which is a, what a guy called Brandon Stanton did uh, quite a few years ago. It's a tested and worked model. Um, he basically started taking photos and telling stories of people in New York City. And I thought, oh, well, he did 10,000 stories. I was like, oh, I reckon I could tick off a thousand stories of people in agriculture if I just kind of kept going for long enough. So I thought, oh, to make it an extra challenging, I'll try and tell 10,000 stories of people in agriculture. So, Do you know I, how many stories that equates to a week? Um, I, do I, do, I just did the math. <laughs> well, how long are you giving you? me? <laughs> yeah, well, I worked out over 10 talk years. Talk to you in 45 years. <laughs> no, 10 years, 20 stories a week. So it is incredibly aspirational. <laughs> Ollie will be the uh, the Bible of agriculture by the time um, your 10,000 uh, conversations are done. But I just... <laughs> well, you know, know... Every farmer, agriculturalist, mm-hmm. agronomist in the whole freaking world. <laughs> well, I thought, you know how people say it takes 10,000 hours to be yeah. an expert in a field? I was like, well, if I can talk to 10,000 different people in agriculture, I was like... Surely you you're, you're on your way to the song too much. The ten thousand hours. <laughs> How does it go? Uh, no, I'll pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ollie, we're we're huge fans of your podcast, and um, you know we've got we're really excited to have you on and to be doing this little cross collaboration today. Um, so we want to encourage um our listeners to go, and if they're not already, please go and have a listen of some of Ollie's episodes. They're Humans so of agriculture, good. and they're very different from what we do. Like yeah. completely different 
in terms of the type of people that Ollie's interviewing, but even how he curates the conversation, it's very unique and interesting. And yeah, both Kayla and I have enjoyed a fairly big binge of the episodes for sure. Do you have a um, personal favourite, Ollie, or one you could send people to? Oh, talk about putting me on the spot. (laughs) Hey, go. No, I suppose, oh, yeah. I suppose to give a bit of context to the people I've talked to, I've talked to chefs, I've talked to kind of university lecturers, I've talked to regenerative agriculture people, farmers. Um, I've talked to in mobile meat prices. I still think if I had to choose a favourite one, the first one I recorded with Mark LeBroy, who's a chef at Three Blue Ducks, I reckon it's probably one of the coolest stories. So Mark, it, he's just built this business basically around his values. And um, I'm not sure if people are familiar with the farm up in Byron Bay. It's one of their businesses. But how it started back was in Sydney here in Bronte. And basically what it came back to is that they wanted to create awesome food, but they wanted it to align that around their ethics and being sustainable and kind of what Mark as a trained chef and his co-founders found, I'm paraphrasing here, but was that when they were working in these commercial kitchens and commercial businesses is that the food that they were actually buying and getting, it either was exorbitantly priced. So you were targeting one type of consumer or it kind of went completely against the grain of where their values lied. And you were supporting these big corporates that weren't actually aligning to what these guys wanted to do, which was create amazing tasting food that kind of aligned with who they were um, and and didn't have a ridiculous impact. So he's probably my favorite. I also just reached out to him on Instagram and he replied. So that was kind of cool from I I did genuinely love that episode as well. I think it's very unique as well when he talks about hunting. Yeah, it's 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 very different. It changes your perceptive even as someone from agriculture on how foodies perceive the industry. You know, that whole paddock to plate conversation is really there and that's very interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. I had my brother-in-law, so he's a well, he's a chicken, beef, sheep and cropper uh, down here in Western Victoria. And he kind of said, look, the way that Mark described hunting, it didn't sound like we were cannibals or anything like that, but it was like he actually talked to the purpose and the method behind it. And he said Mm -hmm. he's never, ever heard anyone talk in a way about being able to, I suppose, go hunting and take an animal's life, but in a way that you tied into the story and kind of the Mm -hmm. process of being with nature. And that that, that was kind of, I suppose, yeah, as a favorite episode, it was just really cool feedback to get. And I thought I will maybe I'm onto something here. Yeah. I think that might be perhaps why it did stand out to me as well. He had this unique way of really expressing the whole situation. And I think often we in agriculture don't do that well. And he really captured that whole story excellently, really. Mm. Yeah. He's a very cool guy. Well, Ollie, the last thing we always get everyone to do on our podcast is to share your details. So if they want to get in touch, they want to find you, they know where they can do that. Yeah, sure thing. Um, So people can find me on Instagram. I think probably just point you at humans of agriculture, which is just at humans of agriculture with an underscore. Didn't quite get the original page, but that's all right. (laughs) Um, Or yeah, ollie at humansofagriculture.com. Awesome. Well, we can share you all on our show notes so everyone can go, but also obviously we'll keep sharing you on our Instagram and other social platforms as well. You guys are too kind. Thank you. (laughs) 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Generation Ag. We hope you loved it. If you did, don't forget to visit our guest bios page on our website where you can get all of their contact information. And if you have an idea for another guest in the future or a story that you want to hear, you can get in touch with us via our email, which is hello at generationag.com.au. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at generation.ag. That's Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you've loved this episode as well, you can share it with your friends on your socials and make sure to subscribe to us on the podcast app and leave us a review because that all really helps as well. Thanks, guys. Bye.